What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Pelo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host Chris Brox. And Brox haven't been on this in a little bit, but we got we got a lot of catching up to do. A lot of stuff been going around the league. A lot of stuff going on in baseball. Let's let's get her going. Yeah, and right into it, I think is definitely the forefront issue in baseball, especially over like last week and now this coming week. Uh, has been the foreign substances and all about it. I know, obviously, on Twitter, we're big guys following like baseball Twitter and keeping up with things, accusing this pitcher of having uh, sticky substances. This person uses this. Oh, this person uh, spin rate went down, so he must be using that. But it's crazy. It's chaotic. And the whole thing really started with like the MLB saying that they're going to start cracking down on it. And they did suspend a couple minor league pitchers 10 games, so kind of set a precedent. Like, look, if you get caught, it's 10 games. How do you feel about this? Like MLB finally um, stepping in. The whole situation is it's it's kind of weird to look at, but I just want I just want all pitchers to be able to use one one thing and that's it. Like whatever they agreed to be pine tar or whatever, that's it. So I'm fine with MLB suspending pitchers and stuff for using some crazy grip or substance or whatever that that increases their velocity by a lot, which or their uh, their spin rate. So I just want to be consistently called by MLB. So. I like how they're starting off in the right foot. You know, I guess I know minor leaguers not really doing a big thing by spending minor leaguers, but um, I just want it to be consistent all the way through. That's really that's really it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that you there has to be something that's universal. There has to be a, like some substance, I guess, that is approved because you can't have this stuff. I know obviously spider tack was like one of the new things that was coming up that a lot of people think that has been used because of how um, – like much of an advantage it could give a pitcher. But yeah, I think it's yeah. good that the MLB is finally like they said earlier in the year that they're going to start taking baseballs like out of circulation and send them back to New York to get inspected. They said that they're going to do that a lot more this year. They're going to maybe even check in pitchers gloves as they're walking off the field at the end of an inning. So I like that. And um, I, I don't want to say that, like, I guess though, pitchers who have really been like under the most heat, we'll say with this have definitely been Cole and Bauer. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, obviously, Trevor Bauer is the forefront of it. Um, purely, purely being accused of using it. Of course, Cole too. After the whole, what was the off-season uh, news about? Was it the Angels coach? It was some coach that said, "Sorry, who said about Cole?" I, I, I'm honestly, mixing up the story. No, I th- honestly, I'm not. A, I like. I don't recall that, but doesn't wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, I know Bauer used to say stuff like the main reason why Bauer's on the front of it, because he's been saying for years now, they used to do it in Houston, obviously when Cole used to pitch in Houston, yeah. but um, it's definitely been more getting around. So obviously Trevor Bauer has also came up and tried to come up with solutions on this because he understands in the MLB, it's such a big problem. And he also understands that it like with spin rate and that stuff, it just can't be natural. But so Trevor Bauer though, you look at his statistics, his last couple of starts, his spin rate has been way down too. I know obviously people have been going crazy about that and they're like, Oh, well, obviously, pitchers aren't going to use it now because they're like kind of scared straight. And I'll get to another guy in a couple minutes too. But uh, yeah, Garrett Cole also faced a lot of criticism. I know, obviously, Josh Donaldson called him out in that press conference. Um, this was last week. Now we're recording on Sunday the thirteenth, so he called him out earlier in the week or whatever. And then Garrett Cole got asked in a press conference like if he ever used Spider Tech. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a big Garrett Cole guy, but one of the worst answers that you could have ever had. He oh. just absolutely danced around the point, never gave no for an answer. And, like, 
Look, I guess I'll try to defend him in a way, and the only way I could possibly defend him is that if Garrett Cole wasn't, like, doing something, didn't have any substances, which I'm not going to say he is or he isn't, you could you could decide on that. But if he wasn't, how bad his answer was, almost had the lead, has to, like, the MLB has to step in because of how bad that answer was. So if he's not yeah. using it and he wanted the MLB to go get the other guys, he accomplished his goal. Do I think that was his goal? Absolutely not, because he was – caught off guard, which I don't get how you can be caught off guard. You obviously see that this is such a big issue now in the game. And like, since Cole obviously has like improved drastically with his time in Houston from when he was in Pittsburgh, I know a, a lot of that stuff was just how in Pittsburgh, they didn't use him right. They wanted him to throw up like a two seam fastball, a lot pitch to contact more, but, uh, and Houston changed him at, into more of a power pitcher, the real pitcher it truly is. But you're the $324 million man. Obviously you, you got paid. So you're kind of like, unfortunately, that puts you uh, on the chopping block. So I don't get how the like the Yankees uh, organization didn't have him prepared to answer that question. But, yeah, to dance around that point was um was not good. I haven't seen I didn't I haven't seen any of Trevor Bowers, though. I'm, I know. Oh, actually, I did. I saw the one after I believe it was the Braves. He just said that it was like a humid day out or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to start seeing this a lot more of pitchers. And obviously with data, that's so accessible to everybody. People are going to look um, after every start and they're going to be like, oh, why was your spin rate down? And these guys are going to get questioned after they just threw 110 pitches. And you know what I mean? And now they're going to have to go answer questions to this. Yeah, no. Like Cole's answer, he basically kept saying, like, I don't know how to answer that, which uh, I don't know. Like, you've been in the news for a decent amount of time regarding this accusations of using um, substances um, as grip. So. It was not a good look for him. Um, I wouldn't say it hurt the Yankees. I mean, it's more of an individual thing at this point. But it was it was a tough look. Um, and Bauer, he's been dancing around that his his past two years he, about like him using substances too and whatever. And now you see on Twitter people um, taking videos of pitchers, you know, rubbing their gloves and stuff in like shady ways. So now it's getting like pretty looked into like very deeply anyone i think it was um i think it was john means no hitter people mm-hmm. uh looked at the video of him like going to his glove plenty of times looking like he was using a substance there too so i uh, i don't know um we'll see what happens in the coming weeks because obviously the outcome of of the mlb stepping forward has really scared the pitcher straight and kind of um you see obviously a decrease in like spin rate and rpms so it's been kind of crazy yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. No one's safe in our age of technology. It's like people are just pointing people out and they're like, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. It's crazy. It's kind of chaotic. Uh, one picture I want to bring up. Listen, I'm not going to go start throwing accusations, but another guy who's been all over Twitter. I don't know. If, I believe he pitched Friday. I want to say Corbin Burns guy who's put up unbelievable numbers this year as his worst start of the year against uh, the Marlins. I believe it was his cutter was down like 180 RPMs. His changeup over 140, his sinker 100 over 150, like all of his pitches are down from his average. I mean, you know what I like. I listen. Yeah. We're not we're not gonna jump on small sample sizes, but I, you know what I mean. Like early in the year, this guy Corbin Burns had uh, what was it? Like 50 something straight strikeouts without a walk. So if you start seeing a tide of pitchers, like I think the big, I don't know the exact date. I want, I think the date was June 3rd that the MLB, uh announced like that thing about suspension and they're going to look into it. So you almost have to look now like pre June 3rd stats and post June 3rd stats to kind of give 
a better understanding of what pitches could have potentially been um, involved in this stuff. And obviously, again, you can't jump to this now. It's too early. Pitches only made one start. Like Cole had a bad start against uh, Tampa. Yeah, his spin rate was a little down. But again, if you ask me, you have five runs in that start. It it wasn't because like it, it was just he was a victim of bad circumstances in that game. Like he should give up one run in that game. But uh, he goes and pitches against the Twins this last week, and he's perfectly fine. So you can't. I don't think you can overreact after one start. But I think like come like wait a month or two, see what happens with suspensions, and then kind of really um maybe you could make your own opinions on what p- pitchers could potentially be uh uh participating in this stuff. But yeah, definitely I think a little worrisome for pitchers and how. Pitchers were dominating the league early on and wonder if they could still continue with that. Um, one thing I kind of want to address too that I guess kind of falls under this umbrella uh, with like how like pitchers are getting uh, more like unfair advantages, but this is more like the dead in ball argument. Uh, Pete Alonzo, your boy, made an interesting comment about yeah. like how like you think he thinks the baseball could potentially be like deadened on years, like based on the free agency class. And honestly, I haven't thought about it like too, too deep, but on the surface, man, I don't completely think it's that crazy at all. I know one of the arguments was like, oh, well, there was the juice ball, but Cole still got 324 million. But like with like if you look at where like the MLB was, like MLB teams have not been spending a lot of money. Obviously, COVID hurt a lot of teams and facts that they're not going to spend as much money. And you look at the offseason, the amount of hitters that are going to be there, obviously, like the, all the shortstops that are going into free agency this year. It's got you really thinking that maybe Pete Alonso is onto something, and that's why the MLB did like modify the balls, and then like next year, like who knows that they might they might magically just be uh like back to what they were twenty nineteen. Yeah, no, honestly, like I love Pete, um, and what he said was like pretty interesting. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I thought he kind of went a little too far, saying like the whole conspiracy theory, and he's probably gonna get. I don't know if you, I don't know if they. Like looked it over yet? He may get in trouble for it, like getting fined about for it. Even the Mets GM, um, interim GM Zach Scott said that he didn't agree with Pete. But whatever, I thought it was pretty interesting what Pete said, and I kind of liked it because he's basically saying how like he wants pitchers to use stuff because you guys, you know, and now like this, it's an era where pitchers are really hard, and he doesn't want a guy like Kevin Pillar ever facing the same thing he just had a few weeks ago and got hit in the face with a fastball. So. He, th- I mean, he's saying like they can control their stuff. He doesn't care at this point. You know, he's he's a hitter. He has to he has to learn how to hit pitchers and their pitches. So, I liked what he said. I mean, it was kind of a bold statement, but um, I, it was pretty interesting to say the least. Yeah, even like one thing that you bring up there, hitters obviously don't want these pitchers using this spider tack stuff, but they want them using something. Like I, I think if you pulled hitters, they want hitters uh, pitchers using pine tar and stuff. Because it gets them better control, and nobody wants to see a 98-mile-an-hour fastball up and in on them. And especially with how baseball is changing, too, obviously, like, high, higher fastballs are kind of like – I don't want to say the meta. Like, this isn't a video game. You know what I mean? But, like, high fastballs yeah. are just like – that's a new philosophy of pitching. Like, get your fastballs up in the zone with the spin rate on it. It's just almost impossible to hit. So, let's throw that. And, obviously, people are throwing harder than they ever have before. So, with that becomes potential for loss of control. Obviously, you saw that thing that happened with Kevin Pillar. You don't want that to happen to anybody. Uh, going back even to like Stanton, I remember when he got drilled up and in by fires and stuff. But yeah, so I think like we we kind of said this on I believe it was last episode, maybe two episodes ago. Just find something universal, work together with the players' union as well, or the players' association as well, and just come together on an agreement and be like, this is that. It could literally be beyond behind the mound, kind of like um, 
the rosin bag is and let's make something work because we can't have this like uh like going from team to team like the diversity and um what you can use in substances like that's just not going to work and that's un- it's unfair to some pitchers because some pitchers who are perfectly fine and then go out there and get hit then maybe you're not making as not um, as much money as somebody else so it's tough man because it's, it's their livelihood like you can't like how are you going to tell a guy who's a pending free agent now to go, go not use the spider attack if they're not going to enforce it so gotta figure yeah, something. Nah, it's a tough situation to go through i just hope that I, at this point like you can't i don't know how they can't even judge pitchers for using like i hope like guys who use it just to like, get a better grip like you know like sometimes like some years they have the balls are like hard they like i think it was last year like it's hard to grip the baseballs now this year it's easier I hope that people use guys use for grip. That's fine. If you use it to increase their velocity and spin rate, then yeah, that's like you know, I'm not saying cheating, but that's kind of crossing the line there. So I hope it, I hope it works out in the end. But it's a tough situation for baseball, and I think whatever happens, they're not going to come out um, as the good guy. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough situation for Manfred, but you know, knowing Manfred, he'll probably mess it up to like every other <laughs> situation he's gone through. Yeah, uh, and I think it's a matter of when it will be th- uh, when it will be changed. But look, if you want to play the, like the other side of it, I mean, the MLB is in the news. Like baseballs, I don't want to say more popular. Than, I mean, yeah, I think baseballs gotten a lot more popular like th- than the past couple years, if you ask me, because of like the scandals. You know what I mean? It kind of draws people into it. So I definitely think it's been a big conversation from like a national point of view, which has listen, any publicity is good publicity. People say so. At that point, if you want to say, then like, it, it's got eyes. It's got eyes to baseball. But uh, another another issue in the game that potentially could be getting changed, who knows, is the automatic strike zone. And I think you were on the record of saying this too. I, I know I was that we don't necessarily want all these like robo robotic umpires, like these robots just strolling around the field or calling or what you want. Actually, just like computerized stuff. Besides the point. But when Rudnet Odor strikes out to go to extra innings. This was last Sunday night against the Boston Red Sox on a strike three pitch that is like a foot off the plate. It's in the right-hand batter's box. I mean, that's just absolutely disgusting. And it really like, at some point, you just have to take it, like you got to take a step back from it and be like, would an automatic strike zone really be that bad? Because I know the Yankees end up losing that game. You can never blame a game on an umpire. I never will. Uh, He's just part of the game. You know what I mean? But to have like that, like, different variable in the game that like sometimes an umpire could screw a call for you i mean at this point where we are like tech with advancements in technology like does it really make sense to not have an automatic strike zone yeah no that game i i watched that all happen i mean that was it was tough for the game because i'm not gonna say like you know like you said i'm never blaming a game on an umpire um that was definitely a brutal call and then the Yankees got screwed the next inning with closer pitches that they got they didn't get the calls on um they got coaches thrown at. It was a whole shit show. Um, but not Boone. Yeah, I, of course, Boone didn't get not, not, that. Was, that, was some, that was so funny. Um, disgusting. But I think as much as you want to go auto strike zone, I don't think we're there yet. Like technology-wise, like I feel like the strike zone is based off hitters and like the hitter's size. based off, I wouldn't say catchers. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a tough thing to come like – like what's a fine line of like a strike zone for every hitter, like based off their height, like based off their stance or what side of the plate they're on. It's, it's kind of tough. So I don't, 
I don't love it yet, but the umpires this year have been terrible. There's no doubt about that. I've watched plenty of Mets games and other baseball right. games to see that umpires been horrific. So hopefully something happens. Maybe the umpires can they can get a new group of umpires to come in and not be as dog crap as it been this year. But I feel like this technology should not be in baseball yet, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, you kind of mentioned that too. Yeah, with sta- like different stances, I wonder how that would um impact people. But yeah, that also does take away a little bit from a catcher and like how he steals strikes. Like then you kind of like take framing out of the game, which I don't completely love. Like that's part of what makes a good catcher. If a good catcher can steal strikes. And uh, normally for the most part, look, I don't completely hate even too. Like as long as an umpire is consistent, I'm okay with it, honestly. Like if you're going to call a couple, like a couple inches off the plate, then all right, you have to adjust. Like I remember this is, this is just like a specific example. Of six, I was like a couple weeks ago, Clint Frazier looks at three pitches, right? Now, two of them are probably balls that get called strikes, right? On the, they're outside, right? But the last pitch that he strikes out on looking is on the, like, it's on the plate. It's outside. It's a borderline strike on a normal strike zone. But this guy just called two, two pitches before that that are three inches outside of that. So if those two were strikes, then this one's definitely going to be a strike. You know what I mean? At that point, look, I know you're a creature of habit. You always have the same strike zone from when you're probably, what, for the last seven years of his life or whatever. So, but you got to be an athlete sometimes. You got to adjust to things. So, if you're consistent as an umpire, I don't care. But I like a very like obviously when it when it comes down to like a difference between winning and losing a game, obviously these umpires are gonna get scrutinized and I've, like it's tough. But I'm kind of with you too. I I don't know. I just think the auto strike zone would be pushing it a little too far. I wouldn't be completely. I don't know how they would do it, but I wouldn't be completely upset with if they did like automatic like force out calls. But again, I, I don't know how that would be possible. I mean, those, yeah, replays a whole different story too. Technology, Technology in baseball because, doesn't mix. I mean, yeah, it's uh, America's pastime. There's supposed to be no clock on the sport. It's supposed to be, you yeah. know what I mean? It's not supposed to be like it's not supposed to be technologically advanced. You're supposed to be able to take keep score with a piece of paper and a book, like that. Then, then that has another argument, man. Like, why put implement technology into the game? Like, there's good technology in the game and there's bad. Which I necessarily don't even yeah. think replaced bad technology. I just think it um maybe extends the game a little bit, like at some points. But I don't know. I don't completely hate. One thing I do hate, like about the replay system, and not not that I hate it because like it, technically it does get the call right. But it, it was a, I was watching one of the Yankee games earlier. It was against the Twins, right? And Simmons, Andrew and Simmons, uh, is turning a double play, and like right, he's going to drag his foot across second base, throw to first, but he misses second base, right? I mean, obviously the the umpire calls him out, right? But then you look at replay, it's like, oh, he got rid of the ball a hair early. So technically he's out. You know, Like, technically he, he was ruled safe. And I don't know. I, even though, like, he was out, I don't Like, I just don't like how that call could, for instance, be um, overturned. Like, if you ask me that, should just be a real-time call in, like, uh, and even if it's wrong, I, I don't know. I just, I think that's, like, I know, obviously, it's a neighborhood play, too. But, listen, uh, replay you, you get good and you get bad, and obviously plays. when they get it wrong. Yeah. But, bang, but bang, plays happen. Yeah, but then, but then to bang. not be able to overturn certain things too and replay is just like, like yeah, I mean, the Mets got pointless. the Mets got screwed a couple of weeks ago too mm-hmm. with the fair foul ball against yep. the uh, what was that the Diamondbacks? Diamondbacks. Yeah, so they like, screwed yeah, that. Yeah. I think I think we've said this too. If you want, if we want replay, like if we're gonna have replay, then let's make sure it's completely right and let's make sure that we could do we could replay everything. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. But, uh, yeah, so we'll move on to our next topic. Uh, 
kind of alluded, I, I mean, I've been talking about the Yankees a little bit, but we'll get a little more in depth. Uh, I titled this part of the thing, A Tale of Two Cities. I got my Charles Dickens, I'm feeling like that, a little authorish, but uh, yeah, man. We'll start with the Yankees, man. We'll start with the bad news first. Uh, the Yankees have definitely struggled these, these past two weeks. I know some, actually, we haven't even talked about that. That was like two weekends ago. I don't even want to think about that. When they got swept by the Tigers, that was disgusting. Mm. Um, last week, they get swept by Boston at home, which is one of the most embarrassing things that I've um, witnessed, honestly, as a Yankees fan, to get swept by a Boston Red Sox team that, I mean, obviously, they have a good record. They're okay. Obviously, they're ahead of the Yankees in the standings, but I mean, you look at that team as a whole, they're nothing special at all. Like, they have a good lineup, but they shouldn't be more than in 80. Like, like if they go 500, like, that's a good thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's not anything like – they're not expected They're not expected to win a championship is what I'm trying to say. Like, the Yankees on paper are way better than this team. You should, you have no business getting swept at home by them. And uh, then even this past week, they blow that game against the Twins. They, they look good in the two games against the Twins that they win. Then they blow the third game. And then this past week, they look absolutely horrific against the Phillies. I know they had a late comeback yesterday. Uh, this is Saturday, and they lose. But today they look awful. Their starting pitching was brutal in both games. Tyone barely gets through the – didn't get through the first thing yesterday. Herman barely got through it today. And, yeah, I think the biggest thing with the Yankees, too, is just, like, the amount of double plays that they hit into is infuriating. And it just seems it's, – it's the same story every time. And it's also, like – it's not that the Yankees – like, there's a difference, too, between, like, being, like – that just not playing good and then being straight up unwatchable. When the Yankees are not on, they are absolute. They're unwatchable. Like it, it pains me to keep the TV on. It really does. Like I could do so many other things with my day than watch the Yankees, but instead I have to watch them around and do a MLB leading 64th double play in through 62 games. It is horrendous. They don't hit with runners in scoring position. Uh, Miguel Andujar starting to come around. I guess that's a bright spot. A bright spot. Gary Sanchez is as well, and. Yeah, just not a lot of things uh, going well. Uh, it's like they take one step forward, two steps back. Like I said, they were playing good this week. And then you go to Philadelphia and you lay an absolute egg. I'm sorry, Brock, but we couldn't help yeah, that. Thanks. Thing. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but, uh, and it doesn't help. Like, and Aaron Boone's the most melatonin guy. Like, he, he just doesn't he doesn't rip into anybody. And he's just going to say, we'll get him next time and I'll uh, pat you on the back. So, I mean, it's tough <laughs> when they're going through a losing streak. Yeah, I mean. I'm not saying I'm enjoying it, but it's been it's been kind of tough. Like a Yankees team that's so um, talented, just just not play well. Um, it's kind of weird, though. I mean, most usually my team um, when they're not playing well, and people are saying they should sell their whole team, or they sell the team, trade all their players away. Usually, like they have a bad record. I mean, the Yankees are still a game above 500; they're still in it, um, but they need to turn it around soon. Because they're not doing anything right now. It's been they've been when you see like a guy like Chapman who had a great start to the year blow a save like that, then you know like it's times are not going well for the Yankees. So for Payo's sake, I hope they start to turn around a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, you for my sake is right, man. Definitely need to turn around a little bit. I mean Chapman, it was unbelievable. It was like nine pitches. And it was it was like that. It was like the Snyder didn't get an out. It was unreal that game against Minnesota. But look, even like that loss, like I can, like as much as, as much as that loss sucks, I can live with that, man, because it's like, they played decent all game. I'm not going to say they played great. And Chapman, Chapman just didn't have it. All right. Sorry. That happened. That's a baseball loss. The base, the losses I can't have 
on when you lose by one run because you grounded into three double plays. You were one for 12 with runners in scoring position, and you made four outs on the base pass. The Yankees' base running is the equivalent of a 12-year-old uh, travel team. Not even. Like, you're taught at such a young – don't run. If you're on second base and you're not forced, do not run if the ball is hit in front of you. The amount of outs the Yankees have made running from second to third when there's a ground ball to shortstop with less than two outs is disgusting. They did it again. I think it was today where Rudinetto Dorr did it. Sanchez has done it twice. Andujar, I think, did it once. It's just unbelievable. It's the basics. And, like, when you're not playing good, like the Yankees, the Yankees can get away with that stuff when you're hitting when – Seven spots in your order are hitting 250 or something, Have are hitting home runs and stuff. But guess what? When two spots in your order, when Aaron Judge is literally carrying your order, you can't get away with the little things. And that's the problem. When the Yankees are like not hitting good, they are just unwatchable because they don't do the little things right as well. But uh, another thing I want to talk about too, man, like John Carlos Stanton um, like sat both games this week. When Stanton is – is on. He, I'll, I'll stand by this. He's one of the top five hitters in the MLB. When he's on, you you can't pitch to him. He takes the ball the other way. He can obviously absolutely crush the ball. He did it in Minnesota. Like Stanton finally starts hitting that series in Minnesota. But then he has to sit for two days in Philadelphia because he can't play the field. It's unbelievable. The guy was a perfectly fine fielder in Miami. He really didn't get hurt in Miami. I know he had uh, that like freak incident, but like he comes mm. to the Yankees, it's like. I think they can't play him in the field. And I know now I'm getting really ahead of myself when I'm talking about the Yankees and World Series. But you're t- if the Yankees were to make the World Series, right, and they weren't the higher seed, so that, like, or they didn't have the better record, right, so they would go into what's it called because it doesn't – the All-Star game doesn't uh, decide it anymore. Hmm. Um, think about that. Like, John Carlos Stanton, if the series went seven games, could sit four of the seven games. Could not start four of the seven games. He'll probably pinch it. But that, that's absurd. He's one of your best hitters in your lineup, but he's not going to start. And it's not like a situation where it's like David Ortiz, where like at the end of his career, where it's like, all right, the guy really like shouldn't be playing the field, man, because that's like detrimental to the team. It could be. But like, it's just un- it's unreal because at this point, Stan, it doesn't look like Stan's going to play the field at all because they're afraid to put him out there. But you're not just going to magically put him out there in the World Series. So I think that's also uh, a big problem that the Yankees have. Yeah, no, I mean, that was my big thing. Um, just like I think I saw on Twitter some. It was like Stanton playing like every other day at this point, basically. Like the guy, I mean, I know he's a great hitter. Like I've seen him play in the Marlins against the Mets. He's obviously a fantastic hitter. Um, but if he can't stay healthy, I don't know. The Yankees' big issue right now is health, man. Like obviously like, Kluber is out. Um, just had the Severino setback. You don't know what Stanton's going to give you, like not being consistently playing. Judge just got hurt today. Um, a guy like Tyone, who just came off, oh, was it? Tommy John, they came back this year and he yeah pitching okay and then he struggled bad yesterday. So it's there they just gotta get help like they gotta get healthy. That's probably my big thing for them. I know they haven't been playing great baseball, but you gotta get healthy. Listen, I think honestly, like I'd love to be able to like I think their health sometimes though is used as an excuse. Like I think like sometimes people are yeah. like, Oh, don't worry, like they'll get healthy. But like, I think too many times, like even the Yankees just use that as an excuse sometimes. And like that's like the scapegoat. Whereas just like look at the team, like they're not playing. And another thing that infuriates me is that we just like uh, the lineup. Aaron Boone, I'm not even sure if Aaron Boone makes the lineup. Uh, they're probably it's probably like uh like the analytics department and stuff. I know obviously that was like the big thing like last year when like Garcia was the opener because it wasn't really his decision or whatever, but um mm. 
Like, Rudy Leonard Odor's hitting, like, third. Like, the guy got cut from the Texas Rangers, man. It's like Odor mm-hmm. came to the Yankees and started hitting 300. He's still under 200. Why is he hitting third? And, like, if, if you're not hitting, why not change things up a little bit? Like, am I crazy? Or, like, can we move some people around? Can we do something? Um, but, yeah, enough with the Yankees, man. It's been tough. Like I said, but, again, at the end of the day, like, Yankees fans are the most um, overreacting fan base out there because, like I said, like, even right now you can listen to me and you could be like, what are the Yankees 10 games under 500? I mean, the Yankees are three games. Uh, what are they, two games now above 500? Maybe, honestly, only one now above one, 500. One. But – yeah, they're one because they lost both this weekend. But we just got they got they got to get back on the right track. Obviously, you got the summer months coming up. Uh, yeah, just get back on track, please. Uh, you're gonna have you have an uphill battle because you got to pass Tampa Bay, who's kind of not good, not running away with the division, but they got a healthy lead now in the Yankees. I believe it's up to like seven games now. Uh, Boston, I I don't think Boston's gonna hold it up. But, I mean, Toronto just went crazy. We'll talk about them a little later, too. They went crazy today. And Toronto doesn't even have George Springer back yet. So, if Toronto's pitching can hold up, I think they're honestly um, a pretty dangerous team with the lineup that they have. But let's talk about a bright side, Brox. And your New York Mets are a bright side, man. Because one thing, too, is that, like, the Mets, like, they're still in first place. And when you look at everything that's happened to them this year, that they've had to survive injuries, and even like Lindor struggles during the, those injuries. And even James McCann, it's like those are their only two starters who basically didn't get injured and they both haven't really hit. They, even Dom Smith has had a tough year. And, uh, Dom Smith hasn't gotten hurt this year, right? No. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like three of your starters who actually didn't get hurt haven't had the years that you expect them to have. And they're still in first place. But I think the biggest thing about this Mets team is just like the culture around them. And they just seem to genuinely be having fun. And they're buying into, like, everything. Like, when you see them, like, backing up, like, Jacob DeGrom on Twitter and stuff about, like, no substances. Yeah, like, you could be like, oh, that's cool or whatever. But, like, I don't know. It just, like, makes me – like, if, if you ask me, it just, like, shows me how, like, loose they are in the clubhouse. And, like, just shows, like, a sense of enjoyment. Like, if the Yankees could do something that I was just, like, from a culture standpoint at some point, that's like, all right, maybe things are going to be okay. But I don't know. I think the Mets just, like, have that, like, off-the-field factor that, like, contributes to a winning team you know what i mean yeah no the vibes around them are pretty cool uh, i forget who said it it was, it was billy mckinney with the, who's been on fire for the mets he didn't play this weekend because he got hurt i mean he yeah of course got hurt everyone gets hurt um but his first 13 hits with the mets 10 of them for extra bases somehow this guy's been ridiculous for the mets and he said that he, he came to the mets middle of the year for like for cash from the brewers and he said like it's felt like he's been here since day one like the vibes around the team on social media, at, um, in the dugout, in the clubhouse, just watching them. And it's been fun to watch. I haven't enjoyed watching the Mets this much in a while. And when I did see a team like this, it's been mostly winning teams that I've seen, um, which is pretty rare. Um, but no, like, yeah, the guys have been stepping up. Guys like Peraza, Villar, um, Taiwan Walker is a great signing. Under the radar signing has been excellent. Um, McKinney. Drury, Mason Williams, like just guys you're not expecting to step up to the plate have really had um, good years for the Mets. And now they're starting to get some pieces back. Like Alonso just came back. DeGrom came back um, like two starts ago, even though he just got hurt again. Um, Lugo. McNeil Conforto. Lugo just came back. He's been, been really good too. McNeil Conforto are coming back in a week or two. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been definitely fun to watch. Um, you know, it probably helps that their vision kind of sucks, but it's okay. I mean, when you're, you don't have any, 
have most of your starters out. I don't think you care what your division does if they are doing bad. And uh, and hopefully Degrom, not hopefully Degrom should win at this point. Degrom should win MVP because this guy is not even not even a master on the mound. This guy's a hitting machine. <laughs> so that's also a good thing. We have best pitcher in baseball who can also drive in more runs than he's allowed this year. So it's been fun time to be oh, a Mets yeah. fan. I mean, so we'll see what happens. I mean, right now, yeah, I think Jacob Degrom's the MVP of the National League, and like it's gonna take if Degrom. I think there's, like, some, like, stats, if you ask me, like, that, like, will define an MVP. Like, I know Tatis is a little far from it because he doesn't have a crazy – he has, like, 13 stolen base. Like, if Fernando Tatis somehow had a 40-40 year, like, like 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases, as good as DeGrom pitched, I think it would be really hard to take an MVP away yeah. from a guy. Like, at this, yeah. like, age in baseball to have a 40-40 year. But going that way, if DeGrom finishes the year with, like, under, like, a 1.3 ERA, it's, like, almost impossible to not give it to him. He's on. He's on, He's got a great start to it. Unfortunately, from a pitcher's standpoint, he has one bad start could hurt your ERA a ton. But he's off to a great start. Like you said, he's driving in runs too, which is insane. I know. Um, one of the craziest things ever is how you could have a Friday off day, but the Yankees did. So I was like, all right, let me watch Jacob Degrom pitch. Great decision by me. And uh, yeah, Jacob Degrom drove in a what he had a like two run single to make it three nothing, and yeah. um, he got. A, Miguel Castro on the bullpen almost blew it, but good for the Mets, good for Degrom. Mm. Uh, he did not, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we were we were kind of way off with the NL East. I thought, uh, I mean, they've had like a couple, uh, like a lot of bad luck. The injuries, obviously, to the Mets. You've had Scherzer just went down with the Nationals and Strasburg can't get right. Uh, the Phillies, I don't know. The Phillies are like all right. They're not playing like great, like but they're not playing like terrible. They're still, I think they're at 500 now. They might be above 500 after this weekend. But uh, the yeah. Braves too, obviously, with everything that they've had to um, undergo this year. Up, but yeah. I mean, the Mets. If you think about it, obviously behind Degrom and Stroman too, who's been unbelievable. Definitely a team where you do not want to see in the playoffs. If you ask me, obviously if they get any of those other pieces who could be in the rotation. I know you mentioned Taiwan Taiwan Walker too, but Syndergaard and Carrasco. Like if you just if you're like thinking like if you could just get one of them right in a playoff rotation. Put Walker as your number four slot, that one guy at three, with Stroman and DeGrom, not a team that you want to play. And, I mean, the Mets seem like they handle San Diego pretty well. What is that, four out of six now they've taken from them? Four it's out a of pretty seven, good sign. I know. yeah. Four to seven, or four to seven, because one of them was a four game. You're right. But, um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that, that's listen, that's got to be a good sign for a San Diego team that people thought would be probably the runaway second, or maybe not a runaway, maybe with the break, like the second, one of the best teams in the National League. Like, they – can compete with them and they don't even have their full roster yeah no it was, it was good to watch i mean the games the mets lost to san diego they had i mean one was walker town walker was pitching up like i think i think it was like two or three runs so it wasn't bad i mean third starter and he faced i think it was darvish um the other two losses was joey lucchese was pitching in the first <laughs> game and both games they had one run in five innings each game so it wasn't a pitch bad then their wins they had the grom um shut them out in both games and Stroman pitched great Stroman. both games you have one run combined so I mean and they had the Padres had their full lineup too so um it's that's good to see that's definitely a potential matchup um in the playoffs for the Mets so I mean obviously got to get there but that's definitely a good thing to see from them against the it's a obviously a really good uh hitting team in the Padres so we'll see where that goes yeah, definitely. I think that uh, the National League is shaping up to be uh, at the top, real interesting. And 
even with the Giants, I mean, we haven't really given the Giants a lot of credit, but yeah. the Giants have been unbelievable. What they're able to do in the NL West, hang in there. They can really complicate things if if they keep this up. Because, I mean, they can keep it up. Then you send three teams from that division. Then it's like the Central, you're only sending the division winner. And then the Mets, their race gets a little tighter because who knows if the Braves could bounce back. Maybe the Phillies could break out or something. But uh, I kind of mentioned the NL Central a little bit because we'll walk into that division. Another division we haven't talked a ton about, I feel like. But, listen, when Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos are, pl- Castellanos are playing like this, excuse me, uh you got to talk about them, man. I mean, these guys are both hitting over 340. Winker has 17 home runs. Castellanos has 13. I mean, it's just a shame that nobody else on this Reds team is really playing good. I know Tyler Naquin's playing all right. Luis Castillo has struggled this year. Uh, I know one of their relievers has been real good this year. Uh, TJ Antoine. Antoine, I think it's his name. I forgot how to pronounce it. But, um, yeah, I know the Reds obviously lost Bauer this offseason. Their pitching was kind of their strength last year with Gray, too, as well. But, um, I mean, good to see these guys raking but it's a shame that's kind of like gonna go for nothing because i don't i don't i don't personally see cincinnati like competing in this division no i mean they probably surprised some people this year that right now they're one game above 500 they have 32 wins 31 losses um i mean you never know what can happen but seeing winker the big thing for me is winker like we castellanos past few years become like an absolute extra base hit base hit machine mm-hmm. excuse me um and winker but Winker um, hitting all these home runs, this guy starting to become like a true uh, everyday potential all-star um, outfielder for them. So that's pretty cool to see. But, I, yeah, I think the Reds, if they're going to get on track to maybe make a run at the wild card, man, you need a guy like Castillo to wake up. He's He was one of the best pitchers in baseball the past few years, and this year has been kind of disappointing. Um, I, I'm not sure what Sonny Gray is doing. I, I think he's having an okay year, but. If they really yeah, want to get on track. The, it's not the year he had. It's not the year that he had like a couple years ago. His ERA is like in the mid threes, which it's not bad. But like, I yeah. mean, this guy, like, like these past couple years is looking like a true, like number one again. Yeah, no. So I think if they they want to make a run at this, I mean, because they, right now, they have a shot. I mean, they're only five games back of the Cubs and the Brewers. They want to have a shot at this. They got to hope their pitching uh, steps up, which is their good thing, though, because that is their strength. I mean, you lost Bauer, but you still have two. Um, Top two good top of the rotation guys. So if they want to, you know, if they want to have a chance at any wild card hunt, they got to start pitching better. Yeah, another guy that's been good for them too is um uh, uh Tyler Malley. Yeah, Malley. Tyler Malley. That's Mal- yeah. Uh, he he stepped up big for them this year. Uh, kind of tried to take some of the production from that was obviously lost with Bauer. But yeah, I think Winger and Castellanos could potentially be all star starters even uh in that National League outfield maybe with. Ronald Acuna Jr. I'm probably missing a couple people that'll be in the race for that. But uh, I think on our next episode, too, we'll do something where we kind of do our all-star prediction. So you can hear a little bit from that. But before we give to like more of our central outlook, I want to talk about uh, a guy on the Cubs who's been absolutely raking, uh, Patrick Wisdom. I mean, this guy's hitting, he came up on like Memorial Day and he's hitting 347, eight home runs. I mean, he's willing the Cubs into what is now a tie for first place, uh, pending yeah. on what they do tonight because they're playing Sunday night baseball. They I mean, won. Yeah, they won tonight. They did win tonight. All right, so that tied. Yeah, I didn't even know the game went final yet. But uh, yeah, so listen, the Cubs' offense has been really good this year. Their pitching hasn't been great. Craig Kimbrell has had a bounce back year, but um, Javi Baez has been good. Of course, he's been good because it's a contract year. Chris Bryant as well has been unbelievable. Probably his best year in a while. Probably since his MVP year. But yeah, listen, I'm kind of all in on the Cubs. I think the Cubs could. 
uh, shocks, not shock some people because I don't think that like their expectations were necessarily low, but like a team that maybe um, has fallen short of expectations in the last couple of years. I think maybe the Cubs can get back on track this year by winning the Central. Yeah, no, I mean, before the season started, I, I had the Cubs, what, not making the playoffs and being sellers um, at the deadline. So it's been, it's been nice to see, you know, you want guys like, like Brizzo, Brizzo, which <laughs> Rizzo and Bryant um, do well. I mean, they're good guys, fun guys to watch play, and obviously Javi Baez too. So, I mean, I like seeing the Cubs um, having a good year. I I think now, like, with the way the Brewers, I mean, they have obviously Corbin Burns, Yellow's struggling too. So, I, I think the Cubs have the best shot in this division. And the, the Cardinals are 1-9 or less 10 games. Cardinals are not trending the right way. So I think it's the Cubs division to lose at the moment. But you never know with the Brewers, man. Um, with, you know, with like the hater, the haters of the world. Um, who's the guy that won the rookie of the year last Devin year? Devin Williams. They obviously Yelich. So I wouldn't sleep on the Brewers, but I'd say right now that it's the Cubs division to lose. Yeah, yeah I'm, with, I'm with you on the Cubs. Uh, for the Cardinals, too, Jack Clarity went out against – this is the Dodgers he got hurt against. Uh, yeah. I believe it was actually like when he was hitting too. So ever since really he went down, I mean, that's obviously a huge loss. He's their ace. Um, they really haven't like rebounded yet. And yeah, they're definitely falling behind a little bit in the central. But you mentioned the Brewers too, obviously. They have, uh, you mentioned Burns and Woodruff, another guy who definitely deserves the recognition. Freddie Peralta, who'll probably be an all-star this year. He's pitching real well. Kind of finally a career year for him. So yeah, with those three guys at the top of the rotation and then Williams, not having uh, the same year that he had last year, but Again, not a guy you want to see late in the game. And then Josh Hader, of course, uh, their pitching is very strong. They need Yelich to kind of regain MVP form. Uh, hopefully Adamas, too, can uh, help that offense. I know he got changed uh, a couple weeks ago. But, yeah, I still I still like the Cubs in this division. I think the Cubs, um, if they're pitching, like, can get back on track. I know it hasn't been great to have Hendricks. Obviously needs to pick it up a little bit. <laughs> Jake Arrieta, too, is there. But, um, yeah, I think the Central – the Central – listen, the Central might not be, like, flashy in a sense. So, like, you might not get, like – a 98 win team out of the division, but at least it looks like one of those divisions that we could potentially go down to the last week in September. And we got a couple of teams in here that are really battling for this spot. Yeah. I mean, um, it's kind of surprising, honestly. I mean, we talked about it before um, with, I mean, I, who did I predict to win the division? It was, it was St. Louis. Cause we had the same one. Yeah. We, okay, we had, yeah. We had like, because okay. listen, with 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 Arenado and how like they've been able to put away, like put together their pitching staff. They got that other guy back this year, uh, Miles. How do you pronounce Whatever his last name is, Miles. Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah. So you get him back. They got um, obviously Flaherty, like I said. So you think that you Dakota Hudson's another starter there? So you think you put put together their rotation? We're like. The, the offense should be good, obviously, with Arenado, Arenado and Goldschmidt. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully they can bounce back. But, again, hopefully it's a, a good um, a good race. And, uh, I mean, I'll touch on the Pirates because the Pirates deserve a little bit of um, shout and not good shout because they've been tough. And Cabrian yeah. Hayes, you are a rookie of the year pick. You kind of returned. You kind of started hitting good. But we got to touch first base when we hit a home run. And it's just not boating well for guys yeah. who – picked you to win rookie of the year I obviously i think it's that. time that he missed <laughs> i mean it's part of the game though man you don't touch yeah. first base on home run you don't deserve yeah. the home run i don't care i'll sit on that hill 
that you don't deserve it. Touch first base. I know it was like kind of weird, like the way like he rounded the base, but still, come on, touch the base. But uh, uh the Pirates obviously going to sell. I'm wondering if they're going to trade um. What's his name? I was even worried about this today with the Yankees, potentially Adam Frazier, their second baseman's having a real good year. Might even be a starter at second base in the National League for their all-star game. So uh, he could t- potentially be a lefty bat that the Yankees go get. A real good contact hitter. But uh, to round out our episode, I'll talk about a team that uh, we mentioned earlier in the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays, I mean, since we recorded the, uh, the last episode we recorded, they were still in Dunedin in Florida. They're back in Buffalo. Uh, they're playing their home series there. I'm not sure for how long it's going to be. They're not uh, like with Canada and the travel restrictions. But um, listen, I, I don't know if this is going to necessarily help them because Dunedin was the highest scoring ballpark. But I think they were willing to go. Like, they could go toe to toe with anybody in a slugfest. You know what I mean? Like that team could put up runs. And like you said, today, like you saw today, they put up, they scored eight home, or they hit eight home runs in Fenway. So that's the most home runs Boston's ever given up at home. Yeah. Um, I. I like them going back to Buffalo because I thought last year was like kind of cool seeing them Buffalo and making the playoffs for the first time in a while. Um, but I, I think they're going to – prediction, bold prediction, they'll be back in Toronto before the season ends um, just because stuff's opening up again. Um, yep. I think the NHL got like special access so then – so the Montreal Canadiens can travel for the, for the playoffs, for the final four that they're in right now. Um, so I think we'll start seeing Canada open up soon because they've allowed fans at the NHL games too. I mean, limited fans at those games. So I think we'll see the Blue Jays back in um, Toronto this season. But I like them back in uh, in Buffalo. It's kind of cool. I mean, in Florida, yeah, they were freaking hitting the crap out of the ball. But I think it's just that's just them, man. They have a crazy lineup without Springer, which is scary for the American League. So I think. Uh, the AL East manager really be be scared of this team, this lineup. I mean, obviously they're pitching a suspect a little bit, um, but they're they're hitting ridiculous. After today too, it was a slugfest at Fenway. They either they tied or broke the most amount of broke the record for most amount of home runs in the game at Fenway. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, with no with, without Springer too, like you've been saying. I mean, yeah. you thought Springer in that lineup, you could argue that's a top five lineup. And it helps that Vladimir Vlad Guerrero Jr. Excuse me, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Same, same guy, skinny Vlad, as we call him, uh, is having an MVP year. Hopefully, this doesn't affect him. Like, doesn't affect the players moving from Dunedin to Buffalo. Because look, even that's like an adjustment in a way of just like a living sense. Like, in potentially if they have to move back to Toronto, then again, like all this like uh, moving could potentially, you know, what I mean, players are creatures of habit. Like, they like to do the same thing over and over again. They like to get into routines. So to kind of disrupt it. And obviously, Dunedin was, we said, high scoring. So hopefully it doesn't affect these guys' stats because, yeah, Vlad is playing out of his mind. Marcus Simeon's having a big year. Boba Shed, of course, uh, continues to absolutely rake. So, yeah, you just hope it doesn't affect them. But you mentioned their pitching. I know they have Robbie Ray, who's pitched pretty well this year. Steven Matz has given them a couple good outings here. They shut down the Yankees the, um, the week that they played him. Uh, they have a young kid, too, who came up and pitched against the Yankees. Look real good. Uh, Alex Manoa. So, if they could just put the pitching together, Nate Pearson's another young prospect that they have there. It throws real hard. If they could, like, piece pitching together. Um, Ryu, I know now I'm watching, I knew I was missing their ace. But if they could piece their pitching together, I think there's a real chance we could see Toronto in the playoffs. I know, obviously, last year they snuck in as, as like, that ace seed. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think if Toronto ends up making the playoffs, too, they'll definitely be in, like, like the Rogers Center, which would be a pretty cool to finally see them back. I think it would kind of be, like, 
bittersweet in a sense because it kind of stinks for the Buffalo fans. Um, we've kind of like taken them in as their team. You know what I mean? Like Buffalo doesn't really have any baseball teams that are close to them at all. Like so, in that sense, it was probably pretty cool to call them the Buff, the Buff, the Buff Jays. But um, yeah. yeah, I definitely think Toronto, the fans there, deserve it. So hopefully they can get back into Toronto, especially if they're going to make a playoff run. Yeah, no, I, that's what I want to see. That'd be be cool. Um, I mean, I know Canada's a little more um, uptight about COVID. So, I mean, fan, allowing fans may not be, you know, I mean, I'd be a lot of fans there. But I think that'd be good just for, like, the Blue Jays. I mean, and, like, when you join a team, like, you're invested into the city. Like, you want to win for the city. Um, and if you're, like, I don't know, a guy like Bobochet or Vlad, like, you want to go win playoff games in front of your hometown team. And your home team, you don't want to win in, you know, your minor league ballpark where you don't have enough fans that are not miles away from the city you're supposed to play in. So uh, I hope the Jays get to go back to Toronto this year. I, I think they will. Yeah, no doubt about it. You don't, you don't want to uh, pop champagne bottles in the AAA clubhouse. But uh, if you really think yeah. about it, too, like, they haven't played, like, a crazy amount of games with, like, obviously they haven't played any games with Simeon or Springer in uh, Toronto. But even, like, just Bo Bichette, playing in Toronto with Vlad, like there have not been a lot of games because Bichette came up at the end of, um, like the middle to end of 2019. So, I mean, if you really think about it, he hasn't played, he's probably played less than 40 games in Toronto at, at home in Toronto, which is yeah. kind of, which is pretty crazy. If you think about it, you know what I mean? That stinks, man. That guy's one of the, should be one of like the faces of Toronto, the face of Toronto Blue Jays baseball, right, with Vlad. So market your stars and that stuff. That'll definitely help baseball, too, uh, to help their economy there and everything. But uh, you got anything else to say with the Buff Jays or what's them called? Or uh, do they do they speak for themselves with all the home runs that they hit? Oh, they speak for themselves, man. Skinny Vlad's going off. Yeah, they're definitely uh, one of your MVP front runners, I think, with Shohei Otani right now, which I think a lot of people maybe saw coming. Um, but after – Maybe you could say after he struggled a little bit, then people kind of were off the wave. But he's he is reminding people why he was so hyped up, uh, deservingly so. One thing Toronto has to fix, though, is their bullpen. Their bullpen is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, they got to fix something. I don't know what they're going to do. Hopefully, they make a move for a close at the deadline. They knew it was a problem. They tried to sign – they did sign Kirby Yates in the offseason. He got hurt. Uh, so, he'll be gone for the year. But, yeah, they ha- I don't even know who their closers are. And I think it's Rafael Dolis. I think that's honestly the closing game. Uh, Tyler Chatwood. Mm-hmm. Is like their setup man, which he has very bad control issues sometimes. He no, just Dave Yates, loads. right? Or Yates is hurt. Nah, Yates is he's done for the year. Oh yeah, done. Okay. But uh, yeah, they're they're their bullpen's a mess. But um, they'll figure it out hopefully. Like I said, and hopefully they, they go get an arm. But uh, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Uh, like I said, next episode we probably won't spend. Uh, we probably won't be um like as far in between episodes. We'll probably get on at some point at the end of next week with all star voting wrapping up towards the end of June. We'll definitely get on here and we'll make our predictions for our all-star rosters, uh, who we think. We'll kind of see how we grade out. I know, obviously, if you listen to the Deep Ball Gridiron edition, me and Corey do this stuff a lot with free agency. Then we just did our draft this past episode where you guys can like kind of grade us. So this one too, you can kind of grade us, see uh, how we do. And hopefully our predictions here are better than the ones on football because we had some we had a brutal performance on like our last one that we really did, which is like our free agency picks. So hopefully we could pick our all-stars better. But uh, like I said, it's going to do it for everybody. Make sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore and uh, take care. Have a good one.